I was Nelly's like, like <laughs> I'm laughing. You're like, she <laughs> did send her into a downward spiral, but like they're good pals. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Feminist Fiends and Quarantine Queens, our podcast where we analyze pop culture through a feminist lens. I'm Nellie. And I'm Pate. Continuing on our theme of Netflix originals, this week we'll be diving into the ever popular and highly rated miniseries, The Queen's Gambit. Shortly after being released, The Queen's Gambit became the most popular streaming series on Netflix with 62 million views within its first month making it the most popular miniseries of 2020. It also sparked a boom in the sale of chess sets. Created by Scott Frank and Alan Scott, The Queen's Gambit is based on the novel of the same name by Walker Tevis and is inspired by real-life events, although fictionalized. The show stars Anya Taylor-Joy, Bill Camp, and Marielle Heller, and follows a young girl's astonishing talent for chess that begins an unlikely journey to stardom while grappling with an addiction. While we are only going to touch on the topic of addiction briefly in this episode, we do want to give a content warning, and we will be sure to give another one before we tackle that question. As always, please stick around to the end of the episode for some updates from us. Don't forget to follow us here on Spotify and on Instagram at Feminist Fiends so you never miss an episode. Woohoo! Also, it's it's just us today, which is kind of fun. Just the I, two I, of us. Just the two of us. We can we make, can it. make it. Oh, no one wants to hear me say. <laughs> um, the I mean, I've so enjoyed the last few episodes we've had. We've had some fab great guests, guests. and and if you haven't listened to those episodes and you're here, obviously listen to this episode. But then you should go back and listen listen to those ones. I'm proud of them. Um, but the but it's kind of fun that we can just kiki together. And I'm excited to talk about. I wonder if before kind of diving into some of these specific questions, kind of topics that we've prepared. I wonder if we want to just talk about um, our kind of first reactions to the show or like, I don't know, like I said, it really did blow up. Um, And I remember uh, there was like, when it first came out, I was watching, the only time I was really watching TV was like right before bed. And the very first episode, for whatever reason, seemed really dark to me. So at first I was like, oh my gosh, like, I love, like, which I don't like this about myself. I wish I was a little bit more, like, scholarly and, like, the type of TV I like. Or just, like, mature. Maybe not scholarly. Just mature. Like, liking things with, like, darker themes. <laughs> like, I don't tend to like that. I like, like, oh, I do. <laughs> Or, yeah. I like, like, I mean, I really loved, I don't know. I definitely love other things that um other darker kind of shows but I I like like Grey's Anatomy and like Big Mouth and like New Girl like those are the shows that I'll like binge watch so I everyone was like you have to watch it you have to watch it so then I did watch it and then I just re-watched it in preparation for this week's episode and I feel like I was able to absorb a lot more than I was able to at first but at first I was like I was like, oh my God, this, this is going to be really heavy. And then it was like the sort of thing where friends of mine had gotten all the way through. It was like, no, watch it. Like, you'll like it. Don't worry. And I was kind of like, okay. Which I'm like, what does that say about me that I need someone else to watch it before I do? But, um, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on it or just like your approach to So the Enneagram 4 in me was like, oh my God, everyone's watching it. Don't watch it. Even though <laughs> literally a million people She's were not like, like oh other girls. I'm a cool girl. Um, No, everyone was like, oh my God, you would love it. And I'm like, whatever. And then one day I walked in and my roommate and her fiance were watching it. And I just like sat down and watched it with them. And it was so good. Like the first episode, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so fascinating and like beautifully done. It's not just like, I guess when I watched the, the trailer, it just looked like a psychological thriller movie 
Um, but it's like actually a very beautiful TV series and like the cinematography is great and the acting of course is great. And so then when I sat down to like actually watch it, I was just like enthralled and it really like, I don't know, just like was so good. So then I kept watching it. I don't know if my roommate has continued watching it, but um, yeah, I watched it and I finished it today. Um, and I was crying. I was crying. I cried like probably every episode. Um, I really loved it. it. It's really good. And everyone was right to tell me to watch it. Yeah. I know the la- I know like it seems silly to talk about the last episode first, but I feel like the last episode in particular, like I feel like it does a good job of wrapping up the show in a way that is it's like not cheesy. It like does a- such a good job of it. I remember when mm-hmm. we were talking about Bridgerton like the my issue with Bridgerton and I understand there are going to be eight more seasons of Bridgerton evidently but like the I'm sorry eight yes they're gonna do okay (laughs) obviously this episode's already all over the place but like we're here for it it's us this is our brand um Bridgerton I believe I don't I cannot cite my source on this but I know that they renewed for at least another season. And I think the plan is to have eight more seasons and have each one be about one of the Bridgerton siblings. So like season one was focused on Daphne and then season two will be focused on, on Anthony, on Tony. So <laughs> Kate might be skipping that season. Um, but I do think that like what frustrated me so much about that that show especially when we weren't sure if there was going to be a second season again like I I can't imagine there being a show made by Shonda Rhimes where there wouldn't be a second season but I just felt annoyed that like everything was just like wrapped up in a little box and like there were certain things that were just unresolved and I do think that there were elements of this of this um miniseries that were unresolved for me but like overall I felt like it really kind of tackled that like I just feel like the last episode like really kind of touched on so many of her like important relationships and just like made you feel good while also kind of not in like a cheesy way I guess if that makes sense but again we don't need to necessarily delve into that first I mean Um, it still had that element of darkness that Bridgerton doesn't really have so like the it was still present in the the last um episode and like you still see her inner demons and her like admitting that she wants to like abuse drugs and alcohol right Um, like that's still a reality it's not just like oh I'm sober and I win you know you see her struggles yeah and um I actually don't want to talk about this I want to talk about a little bit more just like her relationships with the men in her life later but why don't we dive in a little bit more broadly um, and think about the whole series. So the show presents like an evolution of Beth Harmon, who's the main character, growing up and becoming more comfortable with herself, um, and just kind of grappling, like you said, with like her inner demons. But like she's particularly getting more comfortable with herself and her femininity in particular, and um, which shows kind of a struggle many women in male-dominated fields face. So how does the show address the patriarchy, particularly? with regards to women climbing the ladder in a male-dominated field. Something I was thinking about was just, like, or, like, in reading about it, I feel like I didn't really look at the show through the lens of, like, chess specifically. Like, I think you're able to apply the messages of the show to chess, but I, or, sorry, (laughs) to, you're able to apply the messages of the show to, like, a wide variety of experiences, not specifically, like, if you've never played chess before in your life, you can still relate to this experience, I think, or understand it, like, like, wrap your head around it. But at the same time, the show does address how, like, the game of chess is more widely popular amongst men and boys. Um, And I saw a lot of reviews of the show that were hopeful that the show would open doors to make women encouraged to compete in chess. But I think the show tells the story of what it is like to not only be the only woman in your industry, but like to be the best in your industry, not just the best woman, just like the best person. I can't remember exactly what episode it is, but there's this one episode where um, there's a woman interviewing Beth at her house and asking all these questions about what it's like to be the only girl. Um, And those are all the questions. Like they're not about or, or maybe they're not all the questions. They have, like, this long, actually, in-depth conversation. But then when the articles publish, like, she talks about um, 
Mr. Shable. <laughs> she talks about Mr. Shable, who, like, taught her to play chess at the orphanage. And just, like, her whole life story. And the journalist is asking her these questions about what it's like to be the only woman in, in kind of in the game that's, like, ranked the way that she is. And she kind of, like, brushes those questions off. But ultimately, that's what the article is completely about. And Beth is just, like, really frustrated. Like, she just ex- expresses this frustration to her mom. And again, this isn't, like, the whole prep- prep- precipice of the show by any means. But, like, she'll be like, well, they just, like, they only published the part about me being a girl. And I just think that, like, the show did such a brilliant job of, like, drawing attention to that because... I think that so much of how we as a society view feminism or even just like efforts towards equality as like, and it's really important to honor like being the first woman to do something or being the first um, BIPOC um, individual to do something. But at the same time, like if you're the best at what you're doing, like you're like, you're the best. I think like she touches on this discomfort that I felt too. It's like, why does that matter? and I, I just, like, loved that scene. I remember being like, yes, okay, this is, like, a different dialogue than we've been having a little bit. Like, I know other shows have done this for sure, but, like, she's competing against men. She's not, like, the best woman. She's not competing. I mean, she competes against another woman at first. They, like, make her compete against another woman, but then she's, like, she's up against exclusively men after that first comp- um, first opponent. It draws attention on, like, being not being the best in spite of being a woman, just being the best. But I just remember that part, like, like really, like, it was just, like, this, these feminist undertones while also, like, balancing, like, the drama and realism of the show that was, like, so, so powerful to me. The, I watched an interesting YouTube video about the difference between how a woman genius is portrayed in media versus, like, a, a male genius. Um, and in that video, there were other points. And something that I thought was really interesting is, um, you know, you really don't see a lot of sexism, like, blatantly happening to Beth. Like, you have the, when she, like, first comes to the tournament, they're like, you're a girl. Like, you have to p- play this other girl. And I think there are lots of um, underlying moments of, like, not feminism, but what they're trying to get to is, like, a lot of it seems not seems, a lot of it, like, probably wouldn't happen in real life. Specifically, you know, the men, some men, after they lose to her, of course, are upset, but a lot of men are, like, very respectful. And part of me is watching it, and it's like, oh, that's just how they do in chess. Like, if you're beat, like, you respect that person. And a lot of, like, the grandmasters, that's what they're called. So when she loses to some of these chess masters, they shake her hand. They're like, you are one of the best players I've ever played against. Like, very respectful. Because, like, they, they realize, like, she's a genius. But the reality is, as women, we probably know that wouldn't happen a lot. Um, even today, men still have a problem with women beating them at something they're, that they're passionate about. Um, so I just don't think that level of respect... Maybe in the chess world, because I feel like the players, like, there really is no, like, limit of, like, like, gender that would, like, limit you from being a good chess player. So, like, maybe, like, yes, chess players are actually that respectful, but, like, I don't think in today's standards, like, if I beat a guy at, like, I don't know, Monopoly, like, when he he probably wouldn't be all that thrilled because like internalized misogyny, we still have this idea that women are dumber, women are weaker. And so if like a woman beats you at something, then you're dumb or you're emasculated. Like, I do think that like, obviously like there isn't an element of athleticism that is necessary in that, but I think like sports, it's a good parallel to sports also because like there are plenty of like, I mean, Serena Williams could like fucking own a lot of, is she the best tennis player ever? I don't really know. Yes. I don't know enough yes. about sports. She's yes. the best tennis player ever, and she could own all of the male tennis players. And so, like, but, like, I don't know. I would gladly be beaten by Serena Williams, but I know that many men probably would not be able to say that. I mean, I like, was with a group of people, it. like, during the summer, and this one guy legitimately thinks that he could score a point against Serena Williams. What the fuck? And he was like, 
she's bound to mess up at some point and that would be the point i get and i'm like why and almost in, why everyone else game against him would she, would she mess up i'm like she, everyone else also was like literally dude no she's like the best tennis player and then another one of my friends was like okay i don't think i could get a point against her but i think my friend's dad who plays a lot of tennis could get a point against her and i'm like that's like okay, saying that, he really was rearing his misogyny he was just like yeah. here it is like my friend's dad can beat her like because i need her to be beaten because she's so a like, woman who's successful in her so you think you could score a point against lebron james like no way he would make you chance. like cry so would serena williams dude i'm getting knocked out by serena williams if i played like punch me in the face queen i mean i truly am also yes please like i would literally be like hit me with a tennis ball i would love that (laughs) (laughs) um oh my god yeah no i mean i was thinking about i feel like i had a pretty narrow view of like what chess was or just like the type of person which shows my like bias and i don't know like assumptions i think that there was as i said in the intro like there it's hopeful that like this will help to make the field like more accessible but i do think that there was a lot about the experience that apparently like you said like like wasn't always um representative of like what would or like kind of goes against like what you were saying with how respectful all the men are, things like that. And I read in a New York Times article titled How the Queen's Gambit Gambit Started a Debate About Sexism in Chess, where the oh my God, where the author Dylan Loeb McLean interviewed Judith Polgar, who he described as being, quote, the one woman in the world who knows how Beth really feels. Like Beth, Polgar, who is from Hungary, stood out during her career because she regularly beat the world's top players, including Gary Kasparov in 2002 when he was ranked number one. End quote. She watched the series and said it gave her deja vu, but how there was one element of Beth's experience that she could not identify with, and that was how she was treated by the male competitors. However, like, McLean also interviewed arena crush who described the series saying quote the spirit of what they are showing conforms to my experience so i think there like definitely is like this this kind of uh like difference of experience in terms of like i remember in the article um the first one polgar was describing how like oftentimes like men wouldn't shake her hand or would just kind of like like get up and leave or like even like bang their head down on the board like be really sore losers when they lost to her and then like of course this other woman said that like she actually felt like her experience more um was more comparable to that of Beth's I just think the issue is really that these spaces are so male dominated and like yes the, the treatment is bad I think like the real issue is just that like there need to be there needs to be some effort and I think this is a step in doing so like of representation so that like there can there can representation in media so that there can be like actual interest it's like similar to like I think about like coding or like a like fields that are very male dominated but having like again I know very little about this but like having things like girls who code or just like like things that are specifically geared towards affinity groups to get them involved in something that is vastly male dominated like I just think is is powerful and it's going to be empowering um in this case like Beth had a like I think the closest thing she had to a father figure her whole life like basically who she just expressed wanting to learn how to play this game when she went like down into like the janitor's like basement at the orphanage and he taught her how to play yeah I learned chess as a kid me and my two brothers I think we got some computer program and it taught us chess and my brothers loved it way more than I did and I think it's just because they are numbers and like strategy minded where I'm words minded like I I understand the pieces and how they move and I can play but the strategy and thinking four steps ahead just did not make sense in my brain um and that's not because I'm a woman I think that's just because of my brain obviously and so I think a lot of people like 
they consider chess like a sign of intelligence, which it is. Like people who are very good at chess are very intelligent. But it's also like how your brain functions. Like just because my brain doesn't function like a, like chess strategies quickly doesn't mean that like I'm stupid. It just means like my strength is in like reading words and being able to like put together sentences and things like that and thoughts and ideas. Like I'm way better at like, you know, talking about character tropes and like analysis and I think that's like something that needs to be important to like you know reckon with because you know just because you're good at math doesn't mean like you're the smartest person in the world as much as we would like to think and also something I found interesting when like researching about um the Queen's Gambit is most of the actual chess like grandmasters are men I don't think there's a woman chess master um and this one woman who was like a world champion, I don't know if she's from the United States or what, but like when she got her like title, um, she was accused of like cheating through like her lip balm. Like somehow she was like, like using her lip balm as a code to someone else, which is just like blatantly like sexist that the fact that this woman who like gets to this like position of power in chess through her skill is immediately questioned. Um, because she's a woman and then they also use like lip balm which like part of me is like are they trying to claim that lip balm is like a feminine thing and like the reason she was using it is like because she's a woman and must have been using like a code when actually everyone needs hydrated lips I don't care who you are hydrate your (laughs) lips hydrate your skin duh I literally um And then the chess club at my high school was all men. Like, some girls, I think, would come and, like, play chess because it was, like, some nerdy math team kids. My brother was on it. But then it was also, like, the hot stoner soccer players would come and play chess. So, like, so then girls would get, like, their friends and, like, girlfriends would go play chess and learn about it. Um, I don't know if it's still a thing. They had sweatshirts. They were kind of, like, a fraternity. But, like, I don't know. I honestly don't know why chess is a man-dominated sport. Like, I can, I know why it doesn't, like, I don't like it because it just doesn't tickle my brain like I like to be tickled. I think it yeah. hurts my brain. I have Yeah, I do not brain. have, I am not good at it. Um, but I know plenty of women that have the type of brains that would be good for it. So, and I just think it could be the sort of thing that like, if you expose, like, I mean, like if people had the same exposure to it that you had, like at a young age, like, I just think if there's just increased exposure, but again, like I said, like this is applicable to like many other things, like just not having, I think it really just speaks to like the, the notion of like raising like, boys and girls are just like all children the same way like just giving them the yeah. same opportunities to learn about things so that and again in this case like Beth's experience was like in an orphanage and she was adopted at as a teenager so like her like parenting experience was definitely like like very much different and I do think that like the representation of like that was huge and also like the experience like the representation, like the kind of like empowering relationship between her and her adopted mother was like so like special, like I think to see, because I feel like there is a trope of like foster moms or like even adopted mothers, just like they're not being like a, I just don't feel like there's good representation of that in, in movies and TV when like there should be. And obviously they had like a, they had like a, flawed relationship the way a mother and daughter do but I do think Mm -hmm. that like it ultimately was really like special and I was heart-wrenching when she died spoiler that was Um, yeah I was not expecting it I'm my mouth literally dropped open yeah do it was like the sort of thing where she walks into the room and I'm like no I know I literally like knew I like knew when she walked in and her mom wasn't talking I was like fuck but anyway 
Um, I do want to talk about this like girl watch out trope, which I had never heard of before, but um, Monica Hesse talks about it in her, I believe it was a Washington Post article titled yeah. the, Queen Ga- the Queen's Gambit, a period drama that erases sexism from 1960 is the best fantasy show of the year. And she talks about this like girl watch out trope in the sense that like Beth is in positions of like vulnerability like so many times where I think in like many other TV shows or movies like she would be like abused or assaulted or I don't know kidnapped like there are things where you're like uh like when she even first like goes down into the janitor's closet which I think the fact that like we have these assumptions as a society that that's going to happen like again like yes like stranger danger is like a thing but also the fact that we have like the assumption that a janitor is gonna like molest a child to me is kind of classist but like that might be a whole other issue to really dive into but I do think that like there are these moments and Monica talks about this in her article where you're like you think it's going to go one way and then kind of everything ends up being like relatively okay. Like I do think most of, most of Beth's hardships are like based on, again, like either like based on this childhood trauma of like surviving a car accident with her mother or just like learning to like learning like about who she is and to like, honestly this is like so cheesy but like to love herself a little bit and like ultimately all these people like see so much in her and like weirdly especially in terms of her relationship with men like she kind of like is looked like looked after like taking like I don't know this isn't the right word like you don't want like taken care of but like people are looking out for her like uh, overall and she isn't like really taken advantage of I mean you could argue that the old time, the only time that she really is, is like when, um, her, she's like invited to join that social club just because she's like big, big interests. But again, that's like very minor. And then ultimately, like she makes a decision to leave. So, I don't know. Did you notice this kind of girl watch out trope? Like no. Um, I <laughs> guess when she was in Russia, I was like. She good? Sucks. <laughs> I was like, you okay? But she she handled that like a boss. Um, Honestly, I get- like, even when she first goes to these tournaments and she's like this little girl, when she goes to this very first one by herself, it's like- Yeah, I kept being like, days. when is she 18? I just feel like, she, like this right. is going to be until she turns 18. Um, I guess the only And when time she has I like really sex felt- with the college boy at like, mm. like after yeah. her Russian class and stuff. I mean, again, like stuff happens where you're like, huh, but like, it's all like, it, like she does like consent to everything that is happening mm-hmm. for the most part. So. I guess the only time I felt girl watch out was when she was in Paris and she was like, I don't need to drink. And then Cleo calls her up and it's like, come down. And then she comes down and drinks and gets drunk and then loses the match the next day. The whole time I knew that was about to happen. And I yeah. just had to sit there and be like, like, I know it's happening. And I know we need like, not a character arc, but like we need um, a problem and we need like to like see a climax of Beth's like, drinking problem and drug problem and we see it like turn out and then she has like a downward spiral and I think that was like you know needed for the the show and the character but the whole time I just was like I know what's about to happen I don't want to watch it um I I don't know does that count as a girl watch out because it did happen I think it I think it like does but I think like the the true like I think they're girl watch out moments in terms of her relationships with men and her interactions with men but like they don't really come to fruition as being any kind of issue but like what's so unique about the show is that they're like her girl watch out moments are like how she is battling her own inner demons and like ultimately like she she is very much operating in like a patriarchal society like a like intensely misogynistic like world but also has like the support or like maybe not even intensely misogynistic just like literally majority men <laughs> like like it is just like like inherently patriarchal just by the numbers and then i think like but ultimately like the the biggest thing that she's fighting isn't necessarily like the patriarchy it's like her own 
her own like internalized like struggles and her battle with addiction. But I also think that like you could make the argument like if I were writing like a feminist, I don't know, essay or something, you could argue that she is carrying the weight of like, I mean like this, at a young age, this journalist asks her all these questions about what it's like to be a woman in this role. And then like this girl comes to see her play who was like her first opponent. She like travels down from nursing school to like come and see her. Like she definitely has like this network of supporters, both like men and women. But I think like, because she is like the, I don't know, the only woman, she ultimately is carrying that weight. You could argue she is, but like, I don't really get the sense that that's what's happening necessarily, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Also, I misspoke. There was a grandmaster that was a woman, Judith Polger. She became yeah, that was the one I was talking about. Yeah, that yeah, was the who, one I was talking about earlier. She was a grandmaster, so she there beat, have um, been women, but there aren't like I don't think there are a lot today, and there aren't right. And this story isn't. And this story isn't like about her. And also, like I'm, I if if I. If like the the thing I referenced earlier is correct, she won Grandmaster in two thousand two, and so like this took place in like the sixties, so that was like much later than there was like a like. It definitely is like the element of like it being a fantasy, as Monica Hesse describes. Like I I do think that that is reasonable. I think it's really interesting. Like it's kind of similar to. Bridgerton in the sense that it's like really like talking about these themes while also like talking about a complete other theme you know like it's definitely not a post like I don't know I don't post gender society it's not like it's definitely not a feminist society like they're like the patriarchies very much exist exists in like her home her adopted home it very much exists like in like the in the chess world like you see the patriarchy very much through it but like that isn't like the ultimate issue that's present it's really like or it is it's like an underlying theme like it is like a feminist like undertone so I think it's like really interesting because I think her mom is supposed to be like a critique or a representation of what the patriarchy does to women like that choose like that choose to not kind of break out of it um and she ends up you know drinking and like being depressed and really I feel like her only true sense of I guess like liberation was when she played the piano um and so I think her mom like represents like not only the patriarchy but like what reality was for women and I think Beth is supposed to represent like what happens when you kind of like take on the more masculine side of femininity because like while Beth is like very beautiful and like wears dresses and makeup and stuff she's still like very cold and calculated like a stereotypical man is Mm -hmm. um and that's also something I wanted to kind of touch on um like one point that the video I watched that talked about like the differences between women genius and male genius is a woman genius in film or TV always has to be beautiful. And um, Beth, like, she is obviously stunning. And that was kind of one of my favorite parts. Not my favorite part, but, like, I loved watching her, like, beat these men and being, like, not classy. Because sometimes I have a problem with the word classy. Like, elegant. It's like, right, she looked amazing. She was beautiful. Like, she had her makeup on fleek, her hair on fleek. She looked like a baddie and there's nothing wrong with a beautiful woman who's also intelligent because like we talked about in Legally Blonde, like we often think intelligence means that you can't be beautiful and vice versa. So it was nice seeing like a beautiful woman like dominating in a kind of sport of intelligence, but also like a critique on that is when she was having her like mental breakdown, she was always like her hair was perfect her legs were shaven she was wearing lingerie like that is for the male gaze you know that's not an accurate depiction of like what happens when you're having a mental breakdown so those are just like kind of my thoughts on like what she looks like and like it's also bs that we even have to like talk about what a woman looks like in a tv show about chess but (laughs) like i said you know it's important that we also recognize like women are allowed to be beautiful and smart and we shouldn't like 
think that the two are mutually exclusive or not. Yeah. That was kind of my rant. Did I rant? Was that a rant? No, no. I, mean, I think it's no. a very, no, no, no rant. rant. I mean, this is all just one big rant. We literally are just publishing Okay, rants. but also I feel like rant is never used for men. Have you ever said he ranted about this? I don't feel no. like I have. Mm. I actually don't think I do that. Wow, is that our internalized <laughs> misogyny? I think so. Rant is an <laughs> ugly word. What, should I go and cut it from every episode I've said it in? Because I think that's maybe a lot. <laughs> we're going to call ourselves out on it and never use it again. I'm not Yeah, ranting. or we're going to reclaim it. <laughs> but even though it's already I'm, ours, I I'm guess, simply explaining way. a critique. And, like, I think the good thing is that I can, I can recognize, like, I enjoy watching Beth's beauty and her appreciation for fashion and glamour while also recognizing that it is still a part of the patriarchy that we as women, and I know this was in the 60s and is also fictional, but like we as women also have to like look beautiful to be taken seriously to a certain extent. Because if Beth wasn't as beautiful, like the Queen's Gambit wouldn't be as good as the show, I think. Like hot take, internalized right. misogyny. Like we like looking at beautiful women, even as women ourselves. Right. Well, and I think it really does go back to what you said. like beauty isn't necessarily like doesn't mean you have to go one direction in terms of like your passion or your profession and also like continuing to question what we define as beauty and like thinking critically about that is also important um I I I do I appreciate that you touched on like how her mother like how patriarchy kind of shaped the the adopted mother's life and just like how and like her approach to raising her daughter and I feel like, um, cause at first I feel like she's kind of like, Oh Beth, like, do you want to like maybe join like these social clubs or do you want to like go spend time with boys or like go shopping or things like that? And I, I, I think Beth really does stay like true to herself. And ultimately like that, from what I understand, like that seems very inspiring, like to her mother. And I think like ultimately empowers her mother to like pursue, like her like love interests or things like that just like like take kind of the bull by the horns and like have this I don't know kind of autonomy over herself that she didn't had had didn't have when she was married to Alston who's just like the worst character by the way fuck Alston I just didn't like him start to finish um but I also think like I just while we're on the topic of Beth's relationship um, with her mom, I think it might be good to just like talk about her relationship with the other female characters because a few reviews that I saw just like talked about how like her relationships with the other women are like supportive but not cliche. Like I, I really and that was also like it kept being like I, I kept being surprised by her relationships with her, these other women because I kind of expected them to be catty. Like I remember when she's in the apartment with Benny. And his friends and, like, the Parisian girl comes in. I was like, oh, this girl. And who's a model? So, again, this is, like, representation of two beautiful women that have very different career paths. And me, with my internalized misogyny, expected this woman to be a bitch. Like, I was just like, I I have decided I'm not going to like her and she's not going to be nice. And that was just simply not true. She was wonderful. They ended up being friends. She did kind of like peer pressure her to come drink the night before her biggest match ever, but like ultimately was a very kind and supportive person. Like I was like, like, I'm laughing. You're like, she (laughs) did send her into a downward spiral, but like they're girl pals. (laughs) But like, we love female, like, supportive female friendships. Um, Part of me was like, is she trying to sabotage? Like, I thought she was sabotaging. I kind of thought they were going to fuck. I, I thought, thought they did. No, she slept in the bathtub. Um, I did, too. Like, I remember when she rolled over, I was like, oh, my God, were they in bed together? But I was like, no, Beth was fully closed in the bathtub. Um, I did kind of want that to happen. I kind of shipped it. I'm not going to lie. We love. I could I could see that, but Cleo was like too damaged. Not damaged, but like she was I didn't also want very them to dark. be a pair. Yeah. And like uh, we all know Beth was dark and I was like, they're too dark for each other. Yeah. No, if like no no. Yeah, we needed them to each have more kind of supportive. But also I think like um even going back to I don't know why I keep talking about this woman, and I literally don't know who her name is, but like the the first opponent that she has she's like very um 
they have like again i thought that this girl was going to be like a territorial bitch because she was like i thought she was going to have like kind of a cool girl attitude where she was like oh i'm the one girl here like i i can be the only one girl here like i think that that's sometimes an attitude when you're like accepted into a male dominated space you'll then be like okay well i don't want anyone else like i've i've gotten to where i am to be here and you almost like again embody the patriarchy and don't like really let anyone else in and i kind of expected that to happen and then she was like we got to like she was kind of like good for you you won we got like she was like help like she was like showing her how to use the clock like basically like that girl and Mr. Scheibel were the people that taught her how to, like, be ready for a tournament, basically. Like, this girl showed her how to do everything so that when she got up to be with against the men, like, I don't think Beth knew this necessarily in the moment and could appreciate it, but, like, we as an audience very much were like, okay, this girl's, like, helping her. And then ultimately follow, like, just like Mr. Scheibel, just like Jolene, like, followed her the whole way through and, like, was rooting for her. Um... And even, like, the girl, like, the, like, this girl was catty at one point, but the girl from Fairfield High School who, like, invited her to the social club, but then, like, they ran into each other at, like, the grocery store or whatever, or just, like, the department store. She was also, they also had kind of, like, a weird, like, support for each other. I think they were both battling addiction, which is tough, but I think, like, like, they very much, like, had a relationship there. And then, finally, best, like, literally best, best part was her like friendship or her family with Jolene. Um, and when Jolene opened the, like when she opened the door and Jolene was there, I literally like burst into tears. I, I was like, oh, literally my, my, my mouth dropped. I did not expect it, but like how perfect was that? Also just like, like, thank God they both like, I, I just think the re- representation of them both like achieving like their dreams or like, mm is is really important i just feel like i think that having that kind of like yes representation of women in chess representation of like achieving your goals after like like just like childhood trauma like all of this was like so important that like to me i don't really know that i've like i i I can't really name tv shows that like do an amazing job of that but i'm ranting Shut the fuck. Oh my gosh. Nelly. Sorry, I can't believe I literally just did it. That was I'm popping mm-hmm. off. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but like, yeah, I mean, so often in the foster care system, I feel like we see all like the trauma and like we don't necessarily see a lot of the reward. And I think we did get to see the reward. And that's why the the ending isn't cheesy because we see the struggles and then like we also see the reward. So it's, it doesn't like equal out per se, but it's nice to, it's not all dark and it's not all like hopeful. Like you witness kind of her struggles as she does and you're rooting for her and like she achieves it but like it's not an easy task i also think what you just said was so important like there's a broader scope of like the journey that you see and i think that in itself is like what is necessary in terms of representation because i but also at the same time it's not like a show about a girl in the in an orphanage like yes it starts like that but like you don't like it's not like they keep talking about that. Like they'll reference Mr. Scheibel or things like that. But I think the show does a good job of like having all of these undertones and themes and journeys that are really important without it like being like at the absolute forefront. Like I just think it does a really good job in a way that I don't, obviously I'm not, (laughs) I'm literally not a screenwriter. There's no way I could ever do it, but I just don't think I'd be able to. But I think um, just kind of while we're like, while we're talking about journey and things like that, I think it makes sense to just talk a little bit about the ending. Um, There was one part about the ending that I really didn't like. And then one part that I really liked. And one was that, and again, like I said, I know we've talked about it here and there, but um, I know I said I would give a content warning again when I talk about addiction. So here I am doing it. But I, I just felt like, I agree with what you said earlier where she acknowledges that like the problem is not that she's not beyond her problem. But at the same time, it does feel a little bit like it was just like switched off and all of a sudden mm-hmm. she's fine. And it is such an empowering moment where again, spoiler, but it is this very empowering moment where she's like looking up, like basically 
she had used these like tranquilizers, I think, like these pills. Yeah. And a combination, like a cocktail of that and like alcohol to visualize the chessboard on the ceiling. And that made her think that she then like had the impression that that's what was helping her win. Like she basically said that in the last episode, she said, I need the pills to finish this game basically. And then during last game without the pills, she like on her own visualizes the board on the ceiling so that she can think four steps ahead. That made and me that, cry. It's like, it is I so empowering, cry. but I also was like, that isn't how addiction works. Like I was like, uh, like, yeah. like I just was, again, like I am glad, like it's hard to be like critical of that. Cause like I just said, I'm like, I'm glad it touches on these themes without it being all about it. Cause I think we would be unsatisfied with the ending and also like, I, I am happy with how they did it. But for me, I just like as someone who like just like has seen people close to me battle addiction, like I just know that that's not how that works. Like you can't, and again, I don't think she did just fully switch the light off, but I worry that like that's the impression it leaves. Um, but the thing I really did like about the show, the ending was that it didn't end with again like she's she's really kind of fostered these relationships with people close to her like all the women we just named and then also these men that she's very close with being benny harry and towns and like she does like towns does come to see her in russia like at her final um he kind of like bombards her with the press and then they like work together with like on over the phone with these other ones to kind of with these other individuals these other men to kind of scheme about her the possibilities of the end game but i like that the show doesn't end with like a big romantic kiss and like they're together like you know i feel like the show is about her personal like acceptance of herself and like her personal growth it's not necessarily about like we do get I actually don't think we get actually much of an understanding of what her relationship with Towns is. I don't feel like I knew. I was like, are they going to go see each other afterwards? And then I was like, Nellie, I'm mad that I, I, I'm mad that I, I legit, I legit thought he was gay and had to text Nellie and ask, which like, I think is a good <laughs> could thing be. because like I, I read an article and they were very adamant in believing that they were friends. And I, I yeah. would agree. I think Towns and her ended as a friendship and it they made it like out to be like she had this like schoolgirl crush on him for so long and that's why I was confused when she was like I loved him um because yeah, I was like y'all said- didn't date yeah. but it was because she was like infatuated with him and he was like her first like male romantic like like crush yeah crush and like they almost kissed and that like you know that's very impressionable on a young girl and so um I, I was glad that that ended and like they the the tv show ended with them being friends and like he helped support it like he helped support her and also like called all the other men in her life to like help win um i love very sweet i literally cried when benny like was on the other line on the phone because i love benny and i know it's important like this is not about beth's relationships but i want her and benny to date they were so good together and like yeah. he loved her and i she, mean all of these men he did him really dirty. love her which is why i was like wow i was like that's why the whole fantasy thing i'm kind of like all these men that she beat are really like, yeah, let me help you win more. I mean, I love it. It's yeah. like, did you ever go to camp and play that rock, paper, scissors game where when you lost to yes, a person, yes. you have to appear behind them? That's what this movie is like. It's like, you beat me. Yay, pay, go pay. Like, that's the whole thing. And you're like, okay. I'm like, I'm glad that that's the case. I think it should be the case. Like, I think you should... But it, I I do get the whole like fantasy element because yeah. I don't think that that's well, I mean, but it is such a like empowering ending and like I am glad too that like she has these like positive relationships with these men and then also like the movie like the movie ending was not about it was about her like friendships but not about any kind of romantic relationship like you are kind of left questioning it but then I was like why do I care like I was like why do I care like they could be together that now that's fine like it is so yeah I'm really glad they didn't just be like 
And now she goes back to New York with Benny. Like, obviously, I would right. love that, but I'm also, glad they I did loved it. I loved Harry. I loved him. He's also <gasps> Dudley Durs- Dursley in Harry Potter. I know. Crazy. They do not. That actor. He's yeah. so cute. So nice. No, he's grown but no, up I'm so a Benny much. stan. He doesn't look like a little boy anymore. I think Towns is gay. I think Benny is spay. And I think Harry is good, good friend. Good, good friend. And, um, but I like how, like, also I cried when the end, when she's, like, surrounded by all these Russian men and they're, like, dying to shake her hands. And then she, like, ends the I know. show playing chess. I was, like, crying. Um, cute little old men wanting to play chess. Like, my dream. Yeah. I know, and it's but, funny because it's, like, it, it, it's, like, almost, I would, like, ooh, this might be a hot take. I feel it. like the end is, like, it's kind of, like, a reclamation of the male gaze. Because, like, obviously all these men are looking at her. Okay. But it is her, her, her talent and her success. It isn't for her, I mean, she's obviously very beautiful, but, like, they simply aren't looking at, like, she is walking by. And it's not like they're like, ooh, sexy lady walking by. Like, right. ooh, they're like, they're like, oh my God, Beth that's Harmon. Elizabeth Harmon. They're literally like, oh my gosh, we need to like see if she'll play with one of us. Like, I do, yeah, that actually is what my, thes- my <laughs> argument would be. Like a reclamation of the male gaze, which I guess would, I would argue that this movie is very much feminist. I think it could do better in terms of being like intersectionally feminist. I think it could definitely like, I think it's a little bit, like, too, at times, like, a little bit, like, too good to be true. But I do think that, like, that the way the show wrapped up, it, like, felt like a good package for this, like, reclamation of the male gaze. Um, And, like, really, I hope, especially with, like, apparently, like, chessboards went up a thousand percent after a thousand percent chessboard sales so i'm like that in itself like if it's just getting more people like using their brains getting yes getting more um getting more people using their brains getting more like women involved in a male-dominated field so that they can do that with vast more fields like i think i think it's feminist but yeah what a great segue nelly um okay so I would agree. I think the Queen's Gambit is feminist. Um, I think it's helpful that they didn't have to use like um, abuse to create like a story with Beth. Cause I think a lot of times like in a women's hero's journey, um, women are abused either like physically or sexually. And like that becomes like the, the motivation to like uh, achieve success or achieve I guess normalcy and in this case like yes Beth has had like traumatic things happen to her and has like a hard um life like in the foster care system and has to like you know deal with like her mother and stuff but like it it's nice that like it doesn't have to be like like a, an abused woman is the only like time we're gonna see like a successful woman um and like we still obviously see her struggles and like we see her like persevere and like like accomplish what she wants and I think that's like really great and like healthy for people to witness um I think that it's important that we like can understand that the male gaze is present in this tv show while also recognizing that women can be smart and beautiful um and like I think it's not like even though yes this is like set in the 1960s because it's fictionalized, I think the fact that a lot of the instances where men were maybe more, like, less sexist than they would actually be in the 1960s, I think that is, like, a nice thing to witness, because it's kind of, like, an example. Like, I think when it's not bad to have, like, an example of what we wish were to be true in media, Um, Mm -hmm. because I think a lot of, like, um, I think a lot of fictional men characters are like you know are idealistic like men like I love PETA from the Hunger Games he is my babe um he doesn't exist but it's nice to like see that in media because you know it gives us like things to look for in like male partners male friends like that like level of respect that all of Beth's friends had for her like that makes me want to achieve that um 
And so, like, if a man's ever, like, intimidated by me because I'm better at him than something, um, I don't need your friendship. You can go walk out the door and, like, find another person, and that's fine because, like, that's not healthy, and we're witnessing that, and I think it's good that we're witnessing healthy friendships and certain relationships um, on this screen. And so, yeah, I would say it's feminist. I think, yes, definitely, you know, I did like witness how wide it is it's super wide I think it like does draw on like the the time and the issue of racism particularly in terms of like Jolene's experience in the orphanage and things like that but yeah I I definitely think it could have done a lot better in terms of representation but yeah it is like I think to have a character as strong as Jolene was awesome but she was literally like she was you know in what like three episodes four if you count the end of like the second to last episode and she just like stole the screen like she took my breath away she like I want to be her friend she like just she was such a good character and such a good friend to Beth and like just like very real kind of and like very refreshing to like Beth's coldness she was like a warm friend but who like was very honest and like kept it real and like truly I love that one family. point where she's just like fuck you Beth she's like you didn't ever like she she was just like I'm your family she was like yeah. fuck you <laughs> I, like, I like that she called her a cracker like yeah okay okay so, guys. Y'all, so okay guys so okay jesters doing okay court jesters um <laughs> we are trying to evaluate kind of how we're going to be closing the episode. I know that we've been sharing some action items with y'all and we'll definitely continue to do that, but we might be doing it kind of um, having monthly action items or things like that or every other week. But something that we want to introduce is um, maybe activism, activist of the week or person of the week. Um, Just giving shout out to people that are making change um, as well as kind of periodically sharing resources with y'all because we recognize that, sharing different organizations is really exciting and definitely an opportunity for us to learn more and for y'all to learn more. But at the same time, the, but at the same time, sharing a different action item every week, um, I feel like a lot can get kind of lost in the mix of that. So we definitely want to be more intentional of like what we're pushing out. So this week we have a person of the week, which Pate is going to share with us when she's ready. (laughs) Okay, so um, the person of the week, I actually got this idea from my roommate's fiance, Griffin, if you're listening, hey. Um, so he texted me in November um, to tell me about Janet Yellen and kind of just like her accomplishments, uh, not only as a woman, but as an economic, like, scholar. I read about her after she was... Um, approved by the Senate and the House, I guess, approved by Congress. I read about her on Wikipedia and like, she is obviously a very smart woman and very intelligent and very accomplished. And that is super exciting. Um, And I'm also like really excited for the Biden administration and like what she will bring to the table. But so Janet Yellen um, is the first woman to hold all three of the U.S. top economic policymaking positions. I'm not really sure how many total individuals have done this, man or women. Um, She might be the first, but she's definitely the first woman. And so we just wanted to kind of bring that to everyone's attention, give her a shout out. We know you're listening. Janet Yellen. Hey, girl. Um, Hey, girl. You're killing it. Ooh. But it was just, like, so, like, refreshing to read her Wikipedia page. She got her PhD in economics um, in the 70s and um, has just been, like, blazing a trail ever since. Um, And I think the previous, um, what is she, Department of Treasury, isn't that what she is now? Yeah, she's the Secretary of the Treasury. Secretary of the Treasury. Um, the last Secretary of the Treasury under President Trump didn't have a PhD in economics. He just owned a bunch of big businesses and movie companies. So go look it up on Wikipedia. I know it's not a legit source. Also, fun like, fact, the first Secretary of the Treasury was Alexander Hamilton, which we also talked about on this podcast. So, But shout out to Janet Yellen. We've come so far. 
from Alexander Hamilton to Janet Yellen, like, wow, quiet. <laughs> um, well, I have a quote for y'all today because we're still going to continue to share quotes with y'all um, from the from the movie or TV show. Um, but before that, I just want to remind y'all to follow us on Instagram at Feminist Fiends and like us here on Spotify. Um, and if you enjoyed this episode, please share it and tag us because we love seeing that. Really, really like makes us feel all yeah let us know what you think like also yeah if you disagree if you agreed if you have a hot take that we didn't even talk about pop off like tell us we want to hear i love when people slide into our dms like yeah if you don't think towns is gay let me know why i will disagree with you but maybe i could be swayed so the quote that we have is actually from um beth's birth mother um but i do think it really is um kind of a message that beth takes with her and i think ultimately like you see that in the kind of culmination of the show but the quote is from alice Harmon, and it is the strongest person is the person who isn't scared to be alone mm-hmm. heavy stuff but it's very true show. though very true also like gotta be independent anyway D-P-E-E-N-T. that's that's on my workout playlist um, do you want to take us home yes ma'am <laughs> this has been feminist fiends and quarantine queens bye bye